here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. I think if I made movies, not that I would make great movies like Terrence Malick, but I would use his kind of style where, like, I don't really know what's going on, but pick an emotion out of a hat, and that's what you're doing today. I would love to see you attempt to make Terrence Malick movies. <laughs> nothing. Nothing would make me happier. You make Tree of Life 2. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. The best part is I haven't even seen Tree of Life. <laughs> I have a general idea of what happened in Tree of Life, and I would just run from that. I'm pretty sure most people just have a general idea of what happens in Tree of Life and haven't watched the actual movie. I'm sitting on two Terrence Malick films right now, so I really shouldn't add more to the pile. But I have been enjoying my slow walk through his uh, his filmography. It doesn't have to do with the quality of the films, but aren't you just amused that Terrence Malick has the perfect director name? Terrence Malick. But he doesn't look anything like you'd expect a Terrence Malick. No, which angers me. Right? He just... You look at it and he's like, wait a minute. I feel like he should have a monocle. Right? I was just about to say. <laughs> that was the first thing in my mind. Like, there's no monocle here. Malak. Malak. Isn't that a Star Wars villain? Uh... Yeah, Malak. Yeah. I see. The problem is I'm thinking of uh, Thor 2. Oh, Malakath? Yeah. Give, give, give Terrence Alex for... credit. What the fuck is that character's full name from the comics? Like Malekith the Betrayer or something? Uh, Malekith the Accursed. The Accursed, okay. Originally I was thinking the Accuser, but I'm like, no, oh, that's Ronan. They wouldn't have two of those. <laughs> Everyone is the Accuser. I mean, who's going to complain about uh, someone taking his name? Like, it's Ronan. He complains, no one listens. Well, that's his job. He's the Accuser. Yeah, wow. Finally, I understand Ronan as a character. <laughs> he just accuses people of bullshit. No one cares. Exactly, yeah. Who ate the pudding? We talked about this guys. It had my name on it. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> I'm very bummed out that uh, they get so many great actors from Marvel movies and then just bump them off immediately. Whenever I see one of my favorite actors is cast in a Marvel film, I just assume they're the bad guy. They'll be underdeveloped and then they'll be killed off and it'll be like, oh, great. Then I won't see that actor again for another ten years. Did you see what the Frank Grillo said? His thing was like, no, I don't want to come back because if you're not Captain America or Iron Man, they don't do, they don't give you anything. He's really mad that they set up crossbones that did nothing with him, which I agree with. Like, it's kind of the annoying thing about Marvel movies is unless you're the main character, they don't really pay attention to you. Well, I did the same shit with Bad Truck the Leaper. At this point, it's just like you're a glorified cameo. You're you're the opening Bond fight. But at least Batroc was just the opening villain. Like he, like you said, he was a Bond villain. Like Crossbones yeah. was set up. Although, Batroc too, they're like, oh, he escaped. And then they never went back to what happened to him afterwards. Yeah, well, t fucking, we're still waiting for the leader. True. Eh, I don't know. I think Frank Grillo should just be happy for whatever jobs he can get. I also feel like he <laughs> Jesus. rubs Frank Grillo rubs a lot of people the wrong way on sets. Like, I don't think he makes many friends with the cast, so... I'm so, I'm believing this in. You publicly denouncing Frank Grillo. Dude, I don't want him to come to my house and murder me. Stop and he's going to come to your house and murder you. Or save you from the purge. You don't know. It's a mystery. I mean, it is Donald Trump's America. That is true. Is that a segue? No. Can you make it into one? Uh, I was thinking we'd actually just go for a legitimate cold open. Alright. No, fair enough. Alright, you ready? Ready. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. To box office pulp. It's been a while. 
I probably sound a little rusty. Gotta work on the dulcet tones, but we're back. I've had plenty of time to practice. Uh, that's a lie. I did no practicing. But I'm back. If you've forgotten, I'm your host, Cody. Joining me today, my good friend Mike. Say hello, Mike. Hey, I'm um, really taken with the idea of your vocal cords being rusty, and that's <laughs> scary. That's really gross. <laughs> I breathe tetanus. <laughs> that's my superpower. Oh, uh, that's like a bad daredevil villain. <laughs> oh, God. I tried so hard to give us a serious opening. I tried, <laughs> tried so hard. Anyways, folks, if you're here today, we're not here to talk about Daredevil too much. Probably a little. But instead, we're talking about a little movie you've probably already seen eight times and dragged your family to, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Question, Mike. Answer, Cody. How do you feel about the title? Just the idea of lumping the Star Wars spin-off movies together under a Star Wars story banner. I... Does that seem weird to you at all? Um... We're getting to the serious questions first here, folks. I actually had a very different opening I wanted to go with, and I forgot about it, so... <laughs> now I can't use it. Why am I fucking shocked? <laughs> it would it would have been great. I'm still going to work it in. You just... How are you going to work it in? You forgot it. Well, I know what it is now. I forgot it in the moment. Okay, whatever. Get back to your question. I don't know what's happening. Um, I Wait. much preferred Star Wars Anthology, but whatever. Same here. Star Wars Story, I guess, sounds more Disney-like or whatever. Uh, Star Wars Anthology sounded better. I, I agree. I'm glad we're on the same page for that one. No uh, one repeats home, the whole a Star Wars story thing, though. So at least I honestly, yeah, I forgot that was part of the title until like I typed in Rogue One today. I was like, did you mean a Star Wars story? Because apparently there's like eight other Rogue Ones out there that I wasn't aware of. It, a star, like the name of the movie and then a Star Wars story sounds like an old person <laughs> like tr- describing and then trying to tell you that it's also a Star Wars movie, despite it being really obvious it's a Star Wars movie. He fought in the Star Wars. <laughs> the the Star War, you say? <laughs> it's okay, Obi Wan. It's okay. All timers, Obi Wan. Oh, now I'm sad. That's really de- that's. Uh, I guess that actually. Is. I mean, he actually Obi Wan kind of had all timers a little bit. He had dementia. He had a rough twenty years in that desert. We assume we haven't gone to his spinoff yet. That's true, but I mean, if you look at the pictures, I mean, it was. That's something that throws me off, too. The timeline, if I've got this right, between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope is, what, 19 years? No. I think Luke's only 17. So it's not even that long? Yeah, I mean, that. I think we talked about this, like, in our prequel or original trilogy episodes, that it doesn't make any sense that why everyone <laughs> aged, like, 40 years between the original trilogy and uh, the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. The ages yeah. were completely wrong. I think this movie continues that as well, because Jin, you know, she's a couple years old in the opening bit, and then she mentions at one point, like, you left me for 15 years, but the Empire looked like it was already in control during her, you know, kid years. No, they left her when she was 15. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Well, I'm done with this movie now. It's, it's all <laughs> That's all you wanted to talk about. That was it. You I just thought I just there wanted... was a giant. I think I planned, found a plot hole, guys, that destroys the entire movie. I couldn't get behind it. It's like the the numbers don't add up, people. That's Disney early told on us... too, so you just checked out of the movie. As I did. As that was I did. Set. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ten I minutes in. It sucked because I had to walk out of the theater, wait for the next showing, walk back in just so I could catch that bit of dialogue again to see if I was going crazy. <laughs> and I got it wrong again, apparently. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> I've seen the movie once and I know more about it. <laughs> I was very mad at the Star Wars continuity people. Like, they're, they're 
stuffing it down our throats. There's one letters. solid Star Wars. There was, yeah. I have a lot of emails I have to rescind now. Thank you. Make my life a lot easier. You yeah. murdered Gareth Edwards. <laughs> if he's not giving us Godzilla 2, he gives us nothing. Hey, hey, we got Michael Doherty. Actually, yeah, that's a pretty big boost. I'm very happy with how that turned out, actually. As am I. You're all over the fucking place right now. Yeah, I have no strong opinions, except for one. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to segue back into my opening comments, but that was my gap. All right. My, st- my strong opinion of the episode. <laughs> Mike, remember right before Star Wars Rogue One story anthology came out? It's called and- Rogue One, man. Fine. Remember before Rogue One came out and members of the alt-right or neo-Nazis <laughs> or skinheads mentioned... Skinheads, we'll go with that. Skinheads were boycotting the movie because, goddammit, it had diversity. And they thought that the third act was rewritten to slight Trump. Yeah. I kind of wish that, that was the, yeah. that would be amazing. Space Trump shows up and dies. Oh. oh. I was sad when you said Space Trump shows up, but then you mentioned Space Trump dying, and then I got happy. Yeah. Uh, hey. I, I just want to report on the current box office mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for Rogue One. It's It's currently January 11th right now. And according to Box Office Mojo, the worldwide gross for Rogue One is $918 million and change. It's it's very close to $919 million. And it's still going pretty strong. So we're going to cross a billion dollars with this movie. So uh, if we happen to have, like, any, like, neo-Nazi listeners, I guess go fuck yourself. Please turn us off. Right now. That's, that's my only request to you. Uh, so my strong opinion of the day is, uh, go fuck yourself. Rogue One was very successful and it had a diverse cast, which is pretty fantastic. What a controversial stance you're taking. You want Nazis to go to hell. This is hot take central, man. <laughs> These takes are so hot, you won't be able to hold them in your hands. You've got to get some gloves on. <laughs> this has happened since the last time we had Cody on the on his own podcast. Political Cody. Political Cody. Unleashed. <laughs> Slavery's wrong. Whoa! <laughs> One of people, like a bunch of people in the audience, like, whoa, no he didn't. Oh, he's saying what we're all thinking. <laughs> all men and women are created equal. Whoa! Especially yeah. in space. In space. Even, well, not robots so much. Does that ever bother you, the way robots are treated in this universe? They're all British. They're all British. They have feelings. K2SO apologizes for slapping a dude, so he feels like remorse. I mean, in the Star Wars universe, they've already clearly had the singularity. I do remember there was an extended universe story where, like, the robots had a revolt. I believe so. I remember seeing a cover for it. I don't remember if it was a comic or a book, but that did happen. I feel like that's bound to happen. Like, when they get to Star Wars 19, it's going to be C-3PO just, like, using his arm to punch through people's chests. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he goes full creepio. Yeah, they're going (laughs) to... They're going to have to reprogram him from the dark side. Uh, he teams up with HK-47 from Knights of the Old Republic. Which K2 is very much like. I was going to say, I think there's a new... Maybe it's in the Darth Vader comic series, but there were two new like evil versions of C-3PO and R2-D2. <laughs> well, there was supposed... Well, I don't know if he was supposed to be, but they had like an Imperial R2 droid. Mm-hmm. That was like in all the marketing. has like a fucking sideshow collectibles action figure, like a statue. <laughs> Like, Disney fucking put a press release out for this thing. 
You see it, like, for a split second in the background, and I don't think that was reshoots that took it out. I think that was never supposed to be anything but a random prop in the background that Disney lashed onto for some reason. That does happen quite a bit. Remember, uh, what was his name? Constable Rubio or Zubio? Oh, yeah. At least that was at least that was kind of from a deleted scene, but only, like, yeah. one sequence. Though, Zubio, I believe, like, yeah, he got, like, a children's book backstory. Yeah, they went whole hog on that character, which is strange, because I have no idea who thought, like, this guy's interesting. We need more. Disney's weird with their marketing. I understand, like, for toys, they kind of get, like, a first glimpse of the script, and they just kind of grab at what they can, what they think will stand out. But that was a weird one to pick. Like, in all the weird things in that movie, like, even one of the Rathars would have been a better pick. Is there any merchandising for the Rathars? Um, not at the moment, but there's rumor that there's going to be a Lego Rathar set uh, for the next wave of Force Awakens sets. Because you think that would be a plushie. Yeah, kind of surprised it's not. Or at least a Funko. They made Funkos for fucking everything else. They do. Yeah, Funko will, in time, give it time, Funko will get that license and do every minor character. And I mean, they already have the license. They'll just do all the minor characters. And 60 repaints, but never, ever fucking re-release the Emperor Funko. <laughs> God, I'm angry. <laughs> That's Mike's strong opinion of the day. <laughs> and never make a Tarkin. <laughs> Bullshit. They're having a hard enough time dealing with Tarkin as it is. What did you think of the CGI Tarkin we got? I was expecting... I mean, for uh, a, for, a, I thought, like, okay, he's going to be in one scene. He's right? the they kind of set it up, like, in the mirror, so you're like, oh, they're not going to show his face. They're just going to give us the story. Oh, shit, there he is. Okay. And then he's just a supporting character in the movie, which is actually really impressive. Yeah, he has a whole role. Yeah. Um, I was very surprised that I thought Tarkin looked really good. Like, still the skin isn't... It's not quite... It's right. not quite there. Like, it, it has kind of a, still a little bit too much of a translucent texture to it. Yeah. Um, compared to a lot of other CGI recreations, that was probably the best I've seen. Uh, the mouth, I thought, actually moved fairly well. I had, to get, I had to get used to the voice. I know that's the dude who plays him in Rebels. I was fine with the voice, actually, but it's, it's been a while since I watched episode one. All right, four. Uh, I, I know. I'm ashamed of myself. The nerds are turning us all off now. I, along with the skinheads. <laughs> We've lost all our demographics. Uh, we're back for five minutes, Mike, and this is what you let me do. God damn it, Cody. God damn it. We're not going to uh, be big in Germany anymore. God damn it. <laughs> Maybe Lichtenstein will still like us. Uh, oh, the thing that threw me off, actually, was because... Okay, so it's Guy Henry, who also played Tarkin, if I'm remembering correctly, at the end of Revenge of the Sith for his you know, two-second cameo. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I want to say it's him, but he's under a shit ton of prosthetics. Tons. I didn't yeah, know that like, was even... They got an actor for that. I think they just grabbed a dude who had the skeletal-looking skull. Yeah, no, It's if you've seen close-ups of that makeup, it's terrifying. I could be wrong on the it's Guy Henry thing. really but... fucking scary. It's a really weird makeup job. And... Yeah, it only looks good from a distance, even then it's iffy. Yeah. I thought it was Guy Henry. I, don't quote me on that. I guess like, the podcast is already doing that, so okay, everyone will know say, I'm yeah. wrong for the history. But yeah, in my version of history, it is Guy Henry. <laughs> in the new version, it's, it's definitely Guy Henry. And the thing that throws me off is he definitely kind of has that look and bearing. A little bit. But he doesn't quite have the same body type. As Tarkin of old, you know, like he just doesn't look like Skeletor. Yeah, he's not skinny. Well, especially like when Cushing played Tarkin, he was 
pretty bad off health-wise. Right, So yeah. he was super skinny. Like, this wasn't, like, kind of svelte Cushing from the early Hammer days or anything. Right. Like, he was pretty unhealthy-looking. Yeah, so Guy Henry is just, like, a normal person. So you've got, like, this really good approximation of Tarkin's face through CGI, but the body doesn't quite seem right. So that was, like, a weird... On second rewatch, I was looking at the gut on this guy. Not that he has a gut that's huge or anything. It's just it doesn't quite match up with the cheekbones, the sunken cheekbones on Tarkin. And that threw me off a little. I think Tarkin looks fantastic in still images, but when he starts moving, there's something about it that just doesn't seem like that head is connected to that body. I've only seen it once, so I didn't quite pay attention to the body. I was more or less, like, studying the the face. Because I, I was really wanting to study how the mouth moved. Yeah. That's usually that's, what they fuck up. Yeah, that's, and, that's a hard one to get right. And for the most part, they did a good job on Tarkin. The other one they failed at, on Tarkin, they <laughs> they did that pretty good. It mainly matched the performance. Mm-hmm. I think because they probably didn't have to shrink the face as much... And, or change it as much for Guy Henry for whoever they had play Leia. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. Everyone in this movie is dead. Not every, well, a main character, yes. I mean, in real life, Terry Fisher, unfortunately, is gone. Uh, can we not Leia's bring still- the podcast down? No, too late. God. Uh, every other character featured in this movie, though, I think, by this point is, uh, in the series chronology is dead. Mon Mothma, still alive. True. Okay, you got me on that one. On Mothma. Um, we never saw Tarkin's body. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> He's wandering in space somewhere with an emergency suit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, everyone working on the Death Star, dead. All of our characters in this movie, dead. Uh, everyone working the Tantive Four, dead. Vader, dead. Krennic, super dead. Well, Krennic just kind of fell over and then didn't get back up. <laughs> and then he blew up. <laughs> Krennic had a weird defeat in this movie. I feel like that was the only place where it's like, he probably had a better death in the original third act, but who knows. It was satisfying to see him blown up by his own super weapon. That was very poetic. That's why I wish there was a shot of Krennic, like, coming to or something and seeing the blast come to, come to him. He does. He does? I, I must have missed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he kind of looks up as the laser is firing, and he kind of gets this pissed off look on his face as he realizes what's happening to him. Oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. I completely, I completely blanked that out. That's why you gotta watch it two times, just to prove that one line of dialogue doesn't make sense. <laughs> I was paying attention to things like that, missing the important <laughs> things. Meanwhile, I was checking out Guy Henry's body. And... <laughs> we watch movies in very different ways. If we combined us, we would be one normal movie watcher. It takes in everything at once. It's impossible, Mike, it's too much. <laughs> We'd There's be the too thing much with two movie. heads. <laughs> um, actually, I did I did see the movie twice. Uh, for me though, the experience was weird. I saw it once opening weekend, and I just wasn't into it. And part of it was like I had a long night of drinking beforehand, and I was just like not quite hungover, but not fully bodied able, you know, fully able after sitting in that theater. And I was also sitting in a weird spot. I was directly underneath like the AC unit. And for some reason, like a lunatic in our theater was just cranking and dropping the heat every 15 minutes. So we just had this blast of heat where it's like, I gotta take my jacket off. It's too warm. And then he would just let outside air in somehow. And it was like zero degrees out. So it'd get very cold. You throw your jacket back on and gloves. And then all of a sudden it'd be like 90 degrees. The fuck? Is this a right, so experiment? I, I felt like it was. 
So the whole movie is going like that, and I'm sitting very high up in the far back, so I can't even hear the sound properly, which is a big thing. If you can't hear the sound Weird properly in a... Have. Yeah, I was just in a shit spot. Um, if you're seeing a Star Wars movie, though, and you're not getting the full spectrum of all the neat sounds going on, you're missing half the movie. Oh, yeah. So, like, I watched the first run, you know, of, of Rogue One, and I was all right with it. I wasn't moved by it the way I think they wanted to be moved. And then a couple weeks later, I just went and watched it again by myself, and I just sat in the middle of the theater. Actually, that's not entirely true. I sat in the middle of the theater. As the movie was starting, a group of people sat directly next to me. <laughs> the fuck? It was an empty theater, like, you know, one-fourth full, and they just sat next to me, and I was so uncomfortable by this that I, I had to move after the credits ended to the other side of the theater to get away from them. Why do people do that? I don't know. It's a very common thing. There was, like, a group of, like, six of them, I think, so they all wanted to sit together. But I don't know why they picked my row. There were other rows where they all could have been together. It was <laughs> so strange. It was. I was just so uncomfortable when they sat next to me. I just tried not making eye contact. They want to, like, absorb you into their group? Yeah, it's... No, they were not happy I was there either. Then why'd they sit there? I I was sitting there. I got there very early. A couple people sat down, and then a couple of their friends joined them later, and they went, who's that guy? And they're like, I don't know, it's just some rando. And they were mad that I was there, but I was there first. <laughs> a rando. That's, they literally called me a rando, and I'm like, I have to go. These oh. are not people I want to sit next to. <laughs> a rando. So I moved to a corner of the theater, and I was in a worse spot probably than the first time I saw it because I was way off to the side. But I enjoyed the movie way more the second time. Like, I really got into it, so it worked out perfect. And I think it was the sound. I could hear better where I was sitting, even if the angle wasn't as good. And that made the difference. Did you yell out, No, pilot man, get away from that grenade! <laughs> How into it you were? <laughs> Bodhi, no! <laughs> His brain is damaged from that slug. I was all excited. He's like, Oh, yeah, he's going to avenge Galen Ut or No, he's not. Well, he did, but he didn't live to see it. He helped. He did. Then Everyone played their part. If we're talking about dying terribly, I was very disappointed by the way they bumped off Saw and Baze. Ba uh, Saw, Saw was a little weird, but I didn't mind. Baze, like, Baze is the only thing in the third act that, like, bothers me. Especially because he also dies by a grenade, which Bodhi already died from, so that's... Right, yeah, they're just like, we need to blow these characters up so we can cut away. Yeah, but it's like, why didn't... Like, he was the kind of character, he goes out in a blaze of glory. And he shot all the guys, except for the one, like, killed the guy with the grenade, and then he's just like, mm. I give up. Like, he just gave up. That was very strange. Like, I thought he was just gonna, okay, march forward and just go out big. Like, and they would all have to, like, take him down, like, shoot him at once. Yeah, like, he had that great moment with Shrewd, too, where, you know, like, you can always find me in the force. He's like, I'm just gonna join you in five minutes. How does that sound? Yeah, it, it's like, I don't know, it just, it seemed weird that he just was like, alright, I give up. That was it, the only was... thing that bothered me. It was frustrating, because they kind of give everyone else their big moments, like K2SO gets to lock the door and locate the data. Yeah. Jin and Cassian actually retrieve the data and stop Krennic and upload it, so that's pretty big. Basically, everyone gets a part to play. Even Bodhi, like, he's the one who opens up the communications, or tells the groups they need to open the communications so they can get the data out. He has this nice line right beforehand. Right, yeah, and even dead characters like Galen made the flaw in Death Star that made all this possible. The only one who's not really doing something important is... Baze. Yeah. Despite being set up like he's a huge heavy, but he doesn't really... Well, he's, he's supposed to be like Troot's guardian, but yeah. Troot also trusts in the Force at the end to get to the Master Switch, so it's not even like Baze needed to be there to protect him so he could get to that point. It does. It just feels like a missed character beat, like there should have been something juicy for him to do at the end, or even survive, just for that little bit of like bittersweet ending, where it's like, you know, he, his total best bro 
Trout dies, and now he doesn't have like the Guardian Temple anymore or Trout, but he does have his faith in the fourth rest- face, faith in the Force restored. That's yeah. a tongue twister. I know. Yeah, Baze's death feels like not to keep bringing up the reshoots, but I, I'm sure it was just like we have it has to change with something. So it just it, a grenade falls and he dies. Yeah. It just felt like, okay, maybe like everybody surrounds like the mound that he's on. He gets up from Drood's death and he starts like battling them. They all have to like take him down or something. Yeah. Maybe they just ran out of like, okay, we really have all the segments of the story covered. There, there's nothing Baze can do that's that important. Yeah. Which is fair, but you know, give him something at least a little more spectacular. He doesn't go out doing anything necessarily, but just go out like the tank that he is. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a shame. Um, interesting enough talking about the reshoots. There was a story posted on io9 literally like two hours ago that possibly shows an alternative death for K2SO. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, they just posted it. It's They're talking about the making of the movie and the CGI for you know K2SO. And they showed Alan Tudyk in his you know, motion capture suit walking outside of a tunnel, uh, kind of pointing his arm out like he's shooting up his blaster, and then jerking a bunch and falling over next to what looks like the body of Cassian. Like, on the dirt outside of the uh, the communications tower, assumedly. Hmm. I have no idea how that would have worked in the movie, but it looked like he was falling over to die, and it looks like Cassian was either injured or dead at that point as well. So I don't, it doesn't fit in with everything else I've seen. Uh, well, it depends on where in the... Because IO9's had really great articles on all this. Mm-hmm. as particularly their reshoot stuff and putting, like, two and two together using trailers and, like, promotional images. It is fascinating the stuff they actually reshot. It's totally different than what I initially expected. Yeah, I, I'm the only thing I'm really sad that we apparently lost is a lot of like the documentary style uh, yeah. clown battle stuff. That was like all those money shots in the trailers aren't in there, which is disappointing. Granted, if I didn't know that stuff existed, wouldn't have missed it. Wouldn't have missed it. So plus, it doesn't it doesn't feel Star Wars to me. I know Star Wars is a big sandbox, but for some reason that filming style just doesn't quite sit right to me when I'm thinking of that style of universe. Yeah, well, so, some shots feel uh, feel more so that way, like uh, shot in the like the second trailer where Jin runs out and the camera's right behind her and pans up to the uh, the ad act there, like yeah. firing at her and stuff. Like, okay, it's a little more grounded. Some of the stuff, some of the other stuff we've seen, like featurettes, yeah, it's a little bit more World War II movie, but so, some of the other stuff's a little bit bigger. Then some's in the movie, like um, the ad act first comes out and they hit it with the uh, the rocket launcher and shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's in it's. It's in like that more grounded documentary style, but it's it's still big. Edwards is good at mixing that those kind of two things together. So, but once again, if I I'm fine with the third act as it yeah. stands, I'm really happy with the third act and really like it. So I try not to hold the reshoots against anything except in those moments like Baze's death. But it's like I am curious because all that stuff, as a uh, Io9's pointed out, it's like Jin has. The Death Star plans, and she's running with Cassian, running with Baze, blah, blah, blah. K2's there across the beach and all this battle stuff. That's when the stormtroopers are in the water and shit, and they're running across to another island. Like, are they is are they trying to get to a ship, or, or is the communications tower in a different spot? And they're trying to get there, and is that where K2 goes down? K2 and Cassian go down outside the communications tower. Jin goes in, that's where she fights that TIE fighter that wasn't in the final film, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, maybe... maybe they... We even had, like, that shot in the trailer of Krennic walking through the beach personally. Yeah. With his, you know, guard force right behind him, so... It's it's hard to tell, too, because some of that stuff they mentioned, um, 
they ran another article where they talked about how they spent one hour at the end of every day, basically just you could film whatever you wanted to because they had extra funds. Yeah, I was reading that. So just that idea. Well, we've got, you know, fuck off money. So we're going to spend an extra hour a day just doing cool shots that either will be exclusively for the trailer or just to inspire us to maybe go back and try something different. You know, like the, the shot of Jin turning around yeah. and all the lights in the tunnel turning on behind her was just something they got by accident. So fuck it. That's cool. Just film it. And it'll look cool in the trailer. I just, I just, so it's very difficult for me to even try and figure out what shots were made with them just goofing around and which shots were intended to be used in the film. Obviously, any with completed special effects were used, intended for the film, but I have no idea how they would fit in. Yeah, well, there's definitely Krennic definitely came onto the beach. There's a lot of uh, stuff and featurettes of him, like, walking through the water, like, pulling out a blaster and having dialogue and shit. <laughs> there's a whole scene of him changing out his cape. God, his cape is so spectacular. Because Krennic kind of gets a little bit lost in the third act, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not very much so, I would say. Like, it's kind of, it's very appropriate for that character. Yeah. He did what he needed to do. I was per- yeah. personally fine with the character. It would have been weird if they had him doing more. Oh, yeah. I really like Krennic. Just because he was a very different kind of Star Wars villain we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. He was just, uh, he didn't have the same kind of motivations as every, as, you know, t- even Tarkin. In the original, like, everybody's such a fucking dark god in the Star Wars movies when it comes to villains that it's nice he's just kind of a bureaucratic asshole who just has, who just has ambition. He doesn't really, he doesn't seem to really give a fuck about anything beyond that. He's just an egoist. So for that, I, I for that I really enjoyed him. It, it felt more like a military movie with him as the villain with those kind of motivations versus, you know, mystical shit or even Tarkin just being, Tarkin was a goddamn supervillain. Krennic isn't. Krennic was just a bad dude, which was interesting. <laughs> a very frustrating manager. Very, very much so. And that, and that's why it was fun to see him like cross paths with Vader and whatnot. <laughs> the real question of the entire podcast, though, how did you feel about Vader's quips? I like how Vader was quippy. So did I. I know some people that were frustrated by it, but to me, Vader's always been pretty sassy. He's always been very sassy. He's brought it up more. Yeah, I think this was maybe more on point. Like, don't choke on your aspirations because I'm choking you. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, that was maybe a little on the nose. But I mean, we always had stuff like I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yeah, like Vader, like Vader is being very cheeky in Empire Strikes Back quite a bit. Yeah, so I was personally fine with it. Plus, he could have said anything. He just said like the alphabet and one James Earl Jones. So cool, <laughs> I'm all about it. Uh, two, he set it inside a gigantic Darth Vader evil castle <laughs> on a lava planet. He was on Mustafar in his evil <laughs> Sith castle. Like, that's too cool to ignore. I lost my shit when we, when we cut to the outside. Like, oh my, is that like a wizard castle? Wait, this is a lava planet. What's about to happen? <laughs> Basically, anytime Darth Vader was doing something on screen, I was just like, oh, this is the best. When he fucking picks up a dude and bodies another guy with a dude? Oh, my God. Vader had a fucking hallway fight like he's Daredevil. Ah, back to Daredevil. I, I did that on purpose. Ah, yeah. I, did, ah, I did it. I fucking symmetry ah, shit. Ooh, Vader, show ends. Fa- Vader uh, finally did something that we know Vader can do, but we've I, never I, seen Vader do. It wasn't just him sitting in a corner like, no. The, I do really appreciate the concentrated effort that Disney has been making to make Darth Vader a scary motherfucker again. Yeah. 
like, who would expect in Rebels they'd try and make him a tough, bad guy? Considering it's a kid's cartoon show. But even there, he's more frightening. In the comics, he's just, like, a force of nature. Like, nothing can stop Darth Vader. Yeah. I really wish they would steal that line of dialogue from the comics, though. Like, all I see around me are dead men. And just stick it in a movie. Because I want everyone to hear Darth Vader saying those lines. I really want to see Vader in a movie just, like, one more time. Like, can they just, like, do Vader down or something as a movie? Right, like, at this point, they've teased us with such an amazing Vader. It's like, Angel Jones isn't getting any younger. Come on. Just one more time, please. Right. Oh, that That's the standalone movie they should be doing. Not Han Solo Jr., just... Han Solo Jr. Listen, nobody wants that Han Solo movie. I, 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 like, I like the talent involved. As do I. Like, I mean... I really, I mean, the directors are great. Uh, uh, the actor they picked for Han Solo, he is phenomenal. Caston's writing it. So, like, everything seems like it should be fine, and I'm sure Disney will take care of it. But it's just the general concept to me does not seem like something I want. Well, it's weird because we've already seen Han Solo's character arc, so what are we really getting out of this? Like, his thing is he was supposed to be a piece of shit until A New Hope. Right. Like, the only right. way it works is if it was a teenage Han Solo, like, getting into the space pirate business. But he's older. Like, Right. They cast a guy who's the same age as basically Harrison Ford when he first did the role. Which doesn't make any sense. No, not at all. Han was only 33 at the time. It's going to be just like this movie. It's going to end with him landing in Tatooine and hearing that there's a possible business deal for him. God, I hope not. I'm <laughs> super uh, pumped for Don Glover as Lando. Right? That was actually surprisingly cool casting. It's like, can this just be a Lando movie? Like, that's a character we've seen nothing of, so that would actually be interesting. That'd be, yeah. As much as I would love it, I don't know if it has the same appeal. No, not and at all. I think all. they got to slowly work their way out on Star Wars. They, they've done a huge thing here, because, like, characters who in Rogue seen. One... Yeah, there's no characters you really know about in here. They barely advertise Vader. They barely advertise Vader. Like, the Death Star was the main advertising piece, so people knew it was Star Wars. But everything else is like, hey, here's a bunch of other cool dudes that you know nothing about. Yeah. Which I give them, like, all the credit in the world for. Because it would have been so easy to just immediately jump to, like, an Obi-Wan movie, or which they should do. Yep. Or immediately jump to a Han movie, or Ian anything. game. Put him in a movie. Just go ahead and do it. Exactly. And for, like, an idea that apparently has been bouncing around since the Star Wars Underworld show. Like, this to start out as an episode of Star Wars Underworld, which is interesting. <laughs> I think it's going to pretty much essentially be an episode of Star Wars Rebels by the end here. <sighs> well, they've already confirmed that, yeah. Uh, the characters from Rebels are in there. Yeah, well, you see the ghost, you see... uh The droid, yeah. The droid, uh, his name, Clanker? No, I don't think it's Clanker. I don't remember. The thing fans. is, it's there. We're great fans. I know. We, Star War, right? <laughs> Old what's-his-face, that cranky android. I love Picard. Um, <laughs> like It, it would have been very simple. Like, to do Rogue One with this kind of cast and to kind of strip away a lot of Star Wars stuff from it, like, even, um, of course, I know Giacchino replaced the original one. Alexander Displet? Yeah, like, at the very last minute, he only had a month to score the movie, but even... This is insane! He must yeah. have been sitting on the score, like, in, when they asked me to make a Star Wars movie, I'm ready. I feel like he did, because it's an amazing score. I listen to it constantly. The only thing, and this is the most nitpicky thing you will hear from me all day, <sighs> the opening strike for the score, like, when they're revealing, you know, the Death Star in space... Did not sit right with me. For some reason, it just didn't sound right. Really? Yeah, just those opening bars that, you know, stinger there just didn't... I don't like it. It felt a little plain, I do admit. 
I just I just hate that opening singer, and I have nothing to stand back on why it's bad. I just don't <laughs> like it. I personally don't like it. It doesn't fit in with my tastes. But but I love the rest of the score. So. Oh yeah, his imperial uh, suite is fucking incredible. Yes, it is. Yeah, I totally agreed. Uh, Hope is an amazing track. Jin's score, it's it's all really good, and I love and I love it because it sounds like Star Wars music, but he didn't use it. He used occasionally little bits and pieces of the traditional yeah. score here and there, but he shied away from that. Like, it would have been so easy to basically just, especially with the timeless, to just copy the Imperial March and add a couple of extra frills on it. Yeah. It's like, here, here's all the music you love. It's Star Wars. Ah. So yeah, it definitely feels of a kind with everything we've gotten before for Star Wars, but new. Yeah. Even If someone a... told me John Williams had made this score, I would have been like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, it really just cemented the thing I've been saying forever, which is Giacchino is the new John Williams. I think we all knew that was going to happen. Well, specifically Star Wars. He's already like doing basically every franchise out there now anyways. <laughs> which I'm fine with. Go ahead. He's talented. He can do it all. And I, I think he must have like eight clones or something, but that's cool. He gets a lot done. And God, do I want them to keep him around for Star Wars. I appreciate the fact that he actually gave us like a great memorable kind of score for Doctor Strange. Marvel, a lot of times, lacks good themes. That one was kind of wacky, weird. It stands out. If you heard it, you know right away, oh, that's Doctor Strange. I was literally listening to the Doctor, to uh, the end credits music for Doctor Strange, like, right before we got on to record. <laughs> it is delightful. <laughs> but even just from a storytelling perspective, Rogue One isn't really Star Wars in a lot of ways. Like, Although it's got more Star Wars-ing than The Force Awakens. Yeah, I mean, you, you could very much argue that. No, I, I, that's not an argument thing. In The Force Awakens, they're not fighting in space. It's all, like, planetary stuff. That is true. This one, we actually had a space battle. Like, there was where was a space battle briefly in Force Awakens. Then they went down on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as a battle. One ship was being shot at, and it crashed. To be honest, as much as I fucking love Force Awakens, uh, the third act of this, the space battle in this movie just reminded me that there didn't need to be a X-Wing battle at the end of Force Awakens, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, I would have been fine with them not even doing the planet killer, but then uh, yeah, well we've talked we've fun. talked about that before. That's true. That's true. Um, but even I mean we've talked in the original trilogy and prequel episodes that Star Wars isn't really about at the end of the day isn't about black and white good versus evil stuff. It's actually much more complicated than that. It's about homegrown terrorists. Exactly. But um, it's very disturbing because the more I think about it, the more I think that's a hundred percent accurate. It 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 is. Um, but like we've talked about that in regards to like the overall arc of the movies and the original saga and stuff like that. Like the Jedi were wrong. Blah 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 blah. Like Rogue One exemplifies that even more so because it's very blatant with it. Mm-hmm. Like here's the Rebel Alliance, which is always lionized as the greatest thing ever. Like these are the underdog good guys, and they're actually kind of fucked up and a little bit wrong. Like I, do, I do love that this movie shows us that they essentially weren't even really an alliance in any way until about 20 minutes before A New Hope. Like, they just did not do anything before that. Yeah, they were just, they were truly just a bunch of fractured people who are against the Empire. Like, and all the dark shit that Cassian has to do, like, Cassian's not, like, I was expecting him to be like, oh, they'll have him be like the Han Solo type or something. Hmm. I think I more or less pretend to be that versus he's essentially like uh, he's the dude who does all the dirty work for the for the rebels. He's essentially like an assassin. That is one thing we do know was reshot. Cassian's yeah. introduction where he shoots down his fellow spy, that was more kind of implied, I guess, in earlier drafts. So, hey, another example why the reshoots were a good thing, and maybe we should stop getting nervous about that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I'm tired. I'm kind of tired of people saying shit about the reshoots. Like, I know they were very much like they reshot, they reshot the entire ending of the movie. Yeah. But, you know, is it entirely possible they were just like, there's a better way to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, all because it's so different doesn't actually mean it's better. We, we, I mean, we don't know. It may be, we'll never know. So there's no point. No wonder. Right. Yeah. But, it's, it's Disney. So they're never going to give us an extended cut of the movie with, you know, an alternate ending. Yeah. We know Jin's character changed a lot. That might have been for good reason. I think my frustration with it is there's this general cynicism since Disney has taken over Star Wars that, yeah. oh my god, it's Star Wars. It's a cash grab by Disney's. Well, one. Always was. Any company making Star Wars movies is not doing it from the good of their heart. They're, realize they've got a cash cow. Yeah. It's always been that way. I mean, well, not the original so much. That was just them trying something, and it happened to work. Uh, so, what? Who really cares? Disney has the funds to make this happen, and they actually want to produce something that audiences like, and that makes them evil? All the complaints I saw about the reshoots were basically, oh, they're trying to make this into a four-quadrant movie that pleases all fan bases, <sighs> instead of making something good. And it, if you watch the final movie, it's not like they're really shying away from the fact that it's a war movie. They kill the entire main cast in the film. They don't really shy away from this being fairly dark. Apparently, the reshoots actually made it darker. Yeah, I, although I heard all the characters were dying originally anyway, so it wasn't like that. It was only in the very first draft of the script they all lived. But Edwards yeah. and the and Gary Whitta and, and whatnot all admitted that they only did that because they thought they were writing a movie for Disney and they wouldn't allow that to happen. Disney was like, no, just do whatever you want. Right. So, yeah, sure. I mean, we, we haven't gotten a Disney film where they're going to be swearing, they're going to be nudity, but that was never Star Wars anyways. No. So I don't know why people are mad that Disney got a hold of this franchise and decided to do something with it. Attach Disney's name to anything, everyone's like, oh, Disney corporations destroy everything. Despite, you know, I'll insult Disney in any number of ways. The fact is, like, look at Disney, you know, look at the swath of Disney, the things that are under the Disney umbrella. Do you see a lot of crap? I mean, at this point, even their original animated movies have come up in quality. Most of the stuff seems like it's got a lot of care taken. Yeah. Like, they they actually want to make good stuff, and they have the money to do it, and it shows in their box office receipts. What is it? Disney's, like, the first film studio to ever cross something insane, like, $7 billion in an annual year? Yeah. Which is absolutely bonkers to have that much money coming in from your movies. I don't even think Disney really had a giant flop this year. Maybe, like, Pete's Dragon didn't have that much of a return on it. That also Same probably wasn't like a $200 million movie. Yeah. I mean, honestly, any other movie studio would be much more involved creatively in the making of these movies versus Disney, who kind of seems to leave people alone. They've had pretty good relationships with all their directors, except for Josh Trank. And from the sounds of it, he did that to himself. Well, Josh Trank is insane <laughs> uh, and screwed himself out of that movie. So Right. So it's, it's kind of like, OK, so Disney has the money to make these things happen the way they should be done. They're fine spending the money to do the things right. They're not trying to cut corners. They're allowing the filmmakers to basically put their stamp on these movies as long as they turn out good. I don't really see the issue with it. I'm I'm a totally pro Disney in the case of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean they haven't really. They ha- there's not. Look at is there anything Disney like about the Marvel movies right now? They're they pretty much remain exactly the same. Any problems Marvel has, they're Marvel's problems. They don't <laughs> really come from Disney. Right. Uh, same thing with Pixar. Pixar. Anytime Pixar screws up, it's because of Pixar. Like, sometimes people just make bad creative decisions. Other than that, Disney doesn't really do anything evil. Like, yes, Walt Disney, probably evil. Actually, no, Walt Disney, evil. But 
He's been dead. He's just been a frozen head for quite a long time. Third strong opinion of the episode. <laughs> the Cliff Notes version of this episode for anyone who decided to join 40 minutes in. Walt Disney is evil. Uh, fuck the alt-right. And Mike, I'm sorry. I already forgot your first strong opinion. But it was very strong. It was strong, I, whatever it was. It was muscle. It was, it, was, oof. it was a muscle man of an opinion. But I'm so fucking tired of all the uh, Disney-fied, like, Disney-ruined Star Wars crap. Especially because it's mostly from people who are still angry about the Extended Universe thing. People are very upset about that. Which is weird because most of everything that was good about the Extended Universe was, like, still made canon. They're finding ways to sneak it in. Like, Thrawn's still there, the Tarkin novel confirmed a ton of shit. Even Vader's castle kind of existed in other versions of the EU, and they just brought it in. Yeah. And the, and, the, and, the, and the castle can't, went all the way back to Empire. Mm. But, like, yeah, I'm sorry you lost, like, the courtship of Princess Leia. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> that terrible, terrible piece of shit. Oh, come on, man. We don't have the Yuzing Vong anymore. <laughs> Does Dash Rendar exist? We don't know. He might. I He does in my heart. Dreams of Dash Rendar. Oh, my God. How mad would you be if the young Han Solo movie was just them doing Shadows of the Empire without Dash Rendar? It, that's not Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> like they actually somehow finagle it so Han gets taken out of the carbonite, does Shadows of the Empire, and then goes back in the carbonite. <laughs> like he has an entire forgot. adventure. <laughs> he just yeah. completely forgot. <laughs> he got hit on the head just as he was going back in the carbonite. Completely just, it blanked all out. Yeah. He was on the Battle of Hoth. <laughs> like he went backwards in time at one point. But <laughs> Dash, Dash Rendar, Rendar no. Oh, he cha- like he no, he gets hit in the head as he's going out of the Carbonite. Think like changes his name to Dash Rendar. Oh, Dash Rendar Han Solo gets hit on the head as he's being refrozen. Remembers <laughs> that he's Han Solo, but he's been frozen, so he remembers none of his adventures. Wait, they pulled a big switcheroo on us. Han Solo doesn't go into the Carbonite. That was Dash Rendar. My God. Han Solo becomes Dash Rendar. It goes on the entire Shadows of the Empire excursion. And then they wake up Dash Rendar from the block of Carbonite at the end. And that's him in all of Return of the Jedi. And Force Awakens. Like, Han Solo is still alive out there somewhere. That's how they bring He's him back. Come back dramatically. Disney checks now. <laughs> God, Disney's ruined Star Wars. <laughs> All this time hopping clone nonsense. I feel bad because I really some of my friends are big supporters of the EU, and I'm I'm just not into it. I read that stuff, man, and most of it does not really need to be in existence in the canon. Yeah, like some of it's good, but the thing is, as I've said, it's you can still read it. Yeah, it could. It's your own Splinter Universe. It's your own Elseworlds. It's Star Wars World Two. Yeah, and they once again like Thrawn's canon now. You can still read that. It still counts. Like, there's tons of stuff that still counts. Like, yeah, only the sequel stuff after Jedi becomes a problem. But a lot of that was bad. So, Although the weird thing is, now that we have to acknowledge that Thrawn exists because of Rebels, we also have to acknowledge that there are Inquisitors who fly with helicopter lightsabers. Let's face it, that was always a thing that was there. Whether or not we knew it... Helicopter lightsabers?! Fuck it, you tell me there was never a helicopter lightsaber in someone's head who made these movies. May never have been in the movie, may never been in a book. Not my canon. <laughs> Listen, the Inquisitors needed something to make them interesting. They were interesting without helicopter lightsabers. That's true. I say bring the Night Sisters back. If, imagine if they brought those in the canon. People would lose their shit. Probably not in a good way. Night Sisters? Yeah. They're canon. Well, I mean, they are, but I mean movie canon. Uh, movie canon. 
I would like to see that happen once. Just to screw with people, they bring Darth Maul back. Like, in film. Obviously, he's already back in the shows. With the with the spin-off movies, who the fuck knows? <laughs> it's possible. We're getting a young I'm... Han Solo movie, so who the fuck knows? Join us for the next Star Wars story, where we follow Darth Maul's legs. <laughs> who knows? Like, he's an alien, that his legs could have gotten up to shit. His legs... So, so, so... No, no, no. His legs grow up without their evil master on top of him, the brain... They grow up and they do what they want. They become tap dancers, but eventually the force tempts them and they become evil tap dancers. And it's really a story about the struggle to use or not use performance-enhancing drugs to be good at sports. Oh, can it be like a remake of Black Swan, but with just a pair of legs? Just a pair of legs. (laughs) But all the other people are full-bodied, and they're either tormenting or in love with a pair of legs. And they never reference it's just a disembodied pair of legs. Or a skirt. The legs never say anything either, so it's just the people talking to the legs and responding to them as if they were talking. What I love is the idea that we get this and not an Obi-Wan movie. <laughs> this will happen before the Boba Fett film, don't worry. <laughs> Can you believe Josh Trank was going to make that Boba Fett film? Uh, that bums me out. I just want Boba Fett back, man. Yeah, I would love to see him actually do something. This podcast is done. I'm, <laughs> we're back to no more box office ball. But enough about... I do have one last thing I want to bring up. We actually covered all of my notes very succinctly. We did? We talked we about did. the movie? We actually covered all the notes I had written on my post-it note. Uh, except for one. And it's going to be a terrible note to end on, but fuck it. So I've noticed something weird recently getting back into Lego collecting. Uh, when Christmas comes around, Lego is the most valuable thing in Walmart. Oh my god, we're ending on a Lego note? We're ending on a Lego anecdote, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so I, I walked into Walmart a couple weeks ago, and they were just gone. They had, like, two boxes of city Legos, you know, something stupid like tractors. And for some reason, this made my mind go, hey, you know what you really need? The U-Wing set, because it wasn't there. So in my head, I've just been trying to figure out why I wanted this U-Wing so bad. And I went back today at Walmart and checked, and they still did not have anything back in stock. Just, it's a desert wasteland. And I realized why the U-Wing is so appealing to me, and it's because the U-Wing is the funniest ship in the Star Wars universe. It is essentially the Star Wars universe's version of a, a, a space minivan. That's it. Just a big old clunky, ugly minivan. It only moves people from point A to point B. Probably a bunch of high schoolers, you know, from five miles outside of town limits, to the high school. That's that's really all the Ewing is. And I love how dumb that is. Yeah, that is pretty much its function. So if you want to spend $68, or whatever the current rate on Amazon is, uh, on Box Office Pulp, dear listener, you can send a Lego Ewing directly to my office at... And I'm not going to give you the address, because I know what you people would do. Any skinhead still listening is probably going to send, like, flaming bags of shit to my house. But if you're interested in buying me Legos, you can just contact me and work something out. Contact us on Twitter, at Box Office Pulp. We have a Twitter account now. It mystifies and terrifies me. You're having fun with it, and that's what's important. I kind of am. Like, I like the idea of Twitter, but every time I go on there, I feel so overwhelmed. I'm scared to tweet other people, so I'm just going to shout random stuff out, and hopefully some people like it. That's what Twitter is. You just described Twitter. Oh, hey, I'm getting the hang of it. So we're on Twitter now, folks. Join us and possibly send things to me. I'm so alone on there, and there's so much tweeting happening. Hey, question. Did we ever say we liked Rogue One? No, I completely skipped that part. Oh, I really, really, really loved Rogue One. <laughs> actually, I think I may actually like it more than Force Awakens, even though I love Force Awakens. Uh, 
I would say if you could take the highs of this movie and the highs of The Force Awakens and you use them to cancel out the faults in the other film, you would end up with one hell of a great movie. Yes. I think The Force Awakens does some stuff really good that Rogue One does not, especially with characters and how they use them. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love the characters in Rogue One, but they're pretty much like, hey, check it out. Donnie Yen is a really badass martial artist who's blind, and you, you kind of have a description of a character and not a full-fledged character. Whereas Force Awakens, I feel like we got to have a lot of fun with those characters, even though they're still not super deep characters, we've got that promise we're going to get two more films with them, so I'm a little more forgiving. I uh, I mainly wish someone like Daisy Ridley was playing Jin, just because Felicity Jones has decided to kind of put in a bit of a wooden performance, but... Not not anything that ruined the character of the movie, but eh, compared to everybody else. I don't really have any performances to call out. Um, Th- that was nitpicky call out, not really a call Right, out. yeah, that, that's most of my issues with the movie, just kind of nitpicky stuff. Uh, nothing even really worth talking about all that much. Uh, I still kind of scratch my head as to why we need to spend the time with Saw Gerrera's character. That was weird, but Forrest Whitaker was delightful. I know he like he originally had an action scene and stuff and was had a bit more so I, I who knows what got lost in in reshoots. I like how intimidating they made him adjusting his gas mask for no reason. There was like a musical stinger as he puts. It I know. Place. Forrest Whitaker is having so much fun being Forrest Whitaker. Like I don't <laughs> know what he's doing, but he is fucking committed to it. <laughs> And I, I also really liked Mads Mikkelsen trying to bring all the emotional gravitas to the Star Wars series single-handedly. Okay, can we talk about Mads for a minute? Because it's oh, the spot. I always have a minute for Mads. A minute? That's, gosh, our that's our new podcast. Oh, I was just about to say, that's our new show, Mads Minute. Uh, the Mad Minute. Um, okay, Mad? Can that be our new segment instead of it came from IMDb? Yes! Just Mads Minute. Will we just talk about what Mads is up to that day? We find a cool quote from Mads and just read it. <laughs> That's not hard to do. His interviews are always delightful. Oh, yeah. He, he, and especially his Rogue One interviews where he just doesn't want to talk about Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Mads, if you're listening to this, can we have your autograph? Yes. Can you adopt us? That, too. Uh, can I be your stardust? <laughs> be your star. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> uh, I can... cried a little just thinking about it. <laughs> can you put a, uh, a fault in the Death Star on my behalf? I do love the idea that all the joke memes going around that the Death Star was an inside job are now proven to be true. I know. Well, I love how it fixes that joke everyone's made fun of the Empire for forever. Like, no, there's actually a storyline reason why that's there. And just like real business, when they rebuild the Death Star, which it didn't work the first time, I'm sure it'll work the second time, they rebuild it with the exact same flaw. (laughs) Because it'd be too hard to redo it and fix that error. Galen S. Urso, the real hero of the Star Wars universe. He is. Like, I love how Mads the entire reason Star Wars happened. <laughs> it's a weird thought. He's but, the new hope. But I love Mads appearing as a hologram, because it's Mads as a hologram. And then Mads as a hologram, as a Star Wars hologram, dramatically saying, we call it the Death Star. The movie could have ended there. I would have been right fine. Right there. That would have been good for me, too, because then I could have walked back to the second showing a lot faster to clear up that first line of dialogue. <laughs> I had to wait, like, another hour after that. <laughs> uh, the movie's still run for you. <laughs> but, like, the greatest compliment I could give Rogue One, and I don't know if you agree. No. But 
Rogue One is exactly what a companion piece film should be. It stands on its own, but as a companion piece, if you wanted to make it with A New Hope, it actually makes A New Hope better in some way. Yes, I actually totally agree on that. After watching Rogue One the second time, I came back and immediately popped in Episode 4 and then watched it right after, just to kind of see what those connections are. And it's it fun because all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, no wonder Darth Vader is so damn pissed off. He literally saw the Death Star plans fly away on a ship like 20 minutes ago. Like, he was that <laughs> close. He knows you're lying. He saw it. He is fucking done. Right. And all, you know, the, the little throwaway stuff about, oh, you know, hey, we got these plans. They're hard to come by. Like, no, literally, really hard to come by. We shouldn't have these. It was difficult. Yeah, and just even in from the opening crawl, being able to actually see that that's the first battle the Rebels have actually won, just escape with, with the Death Star plans, when that opening crawl hits, mm-hmm. it, it adds gravitas to it. Plus, we actually know a character who died on Alderaan, so that's that's a nice little connection. Poor Jimmy Smits. <sighs> okay, Jimmy Smits walking out of the shadows as <laughs> the Luke Skywalker theme plays is the funniest thing ever committed to film. It's like, was this here just for me? Like, just to amuse me on a personal level. level. Is that why this this little joke is here? The glory of Jimmy Smits. He must be the nicest man in the world because the Star Wars franchise just treats him with so much respect. <laughs> the awe that Jimmy Smits has given in these movies. He needs a spinoff. <laughs> the Bail Organa movie. They could, probably, they could make something cool out of that. I don't know anything about Bail Organa. Why not? Exactly. It's a completely clean slate. Who the fuck knows what he got up to? Right? Fucked some motherfuckers. <laughs> it's just him and Obi-Wan basically doing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but on a party planet. Yes. Uh, or will not have had fun with that. I would totally watch that movie. Like, if... <laughs> Darn you, Disney, if you weren't in charge. <laughs> Stop ruining our Star Wars, Disney. <laughs> Destroying all of it. That's the Star Wars I want. I want a Seven Samurai Jedi movie. And I want Obi-Wan Kenobi and Bail Organa getting fucked up on a desert planet. <laughs> With Boba Fett. <laughs> With Boba Fett. Those are those are my only requests, Disney. Make, Make it this happen. fan ha- happy. We have demands. <laughs> or else you'll continue to get our money over and over again, because I'm not going to stop watching Star Wars. Cody will buy one less Lego set. That's hard, man. I don't know if that's possible. The Lego Batman movie might actually tap me out. You are terrible at Lego blackmail. That's so effective. The sets are so cool. <laughs> I know. You've put together some while recording a podcast because that's how little you pay attention. I was actually hoping I could get the U-Wing so I can assemble it while we were talking. Didn't happen. After insulting the U-Wing. <laughs> Dude, I said I love it because it's so dopey. The U-Wings exist. I, I don't even know why it exists. It does nothing. It serves it's no a, purpose. It's a carrier vehicle. That's pretty much it. But there can, but every spaceship is gigantic. Nah, X-Wings can only hold, like, two people. Yeah, but X-Wings are, like, held together with duct tape and wood. That's what the Rebels have, man. They've got that and transport vehicles. And you'll notice most of their transport vehicles are stolen, so really, this is an okay... It's, it's very easy to steal a uh, Imperial vehicle. Nobody locks those things down. They have to be so expensive. What is space insurance out there? And everyone can just talk their way into places. Right, yeah. Oh, the um, the giant shield over the planet with the opening in it. Did you think uh, of Spaceballs with that? Or is that just me? <laughs> that was just you, man. Sorry. God damn it. It's just, all it needed was a giant vacuum to just sit on top of that hole. 
and they would have sucked all the air out. And won. If only the Rebels had that. They did not have Mega Maid. Damn shame. Damn shame. Ah, one more damn shame. K2SO, just put them in all the movies. Just Those are the only special editions I want. Just sneak them into different stuff. Don't let them be dead. The death of K2SO is the saddest thing. <laughs> I'm all for sassy droids. Sassy droids are the best, and he was the sassiest. He reminded me a lot of HK-47, which I miss. Just They could have done an end credit stinger where he's just floating around in space by himself, <laughs> still alive. Insulting asteroids that are passing him by. <laughs> he is delightful, and Attitudic is wonderful. He is. He should just, like, can we put him in more things? If you need a robot in your movie, just make him it. He's the only good part, I think, about iRobot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Really, Rogue One is amazing at creating a bunch of characters you've never heard before and you'll never see again. But really wanting to make it like, I kind of wish it was a franchise. There was a franchise following this team around because I really like all of these characters. Yep. And that's 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 impressive considering this is the first spinoff to the main Star Wars saga. See, that's why this works as a prequel because it's not on characters we actually care about. It's brand new people. And it colors the colors the universe ni- nicely. Plus, we finally it's can- the wills are finally canonized. The deep cuts in Rogue <laughs> yes. One are incredible. <laughs> Out of curiosity, and my mind's just racing here. I'm trying to think of good prequels. Can we think of five? Five? No. Okay. Well, 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 spot us one. We'll give us Rogue One. Uh, I think Rogue One's an ex- fantastic example of what you can do with a prequel. That's exactly really- that's what a prequel should be. Yeah, it builds a universe where it doesn't really undercut anything. It just adds to what already exists, but it could stand alone if you wanted it to. Yeah. Uh, um, are we, can we count, uh, Firewalk with me? Because that feels so totally divorced from that Twin has Peaks. sequel elements in it, though. Not many. True, true, true. I, I don't know. Well, mm. we need five. Let's count. This show yeah, let's count. So I mean, five, Firewalk with me is a good prequel. It's a good prequel whenever it just focuses on Laura. Uh, oh shit, what else do we have? Uh, Temple of Doom. I know a lot of people oh, yeah, Temple of it Doom as much as many yeah. other Indiana Jones movies, but... And that one, I think, works because of the pulp nature of indie. Like, if you didn't know any better, you would assume it was a sequel. But chronology shouldn't matter much to indie, I guess, until you get to, like, three and four, where it deals with his family. Does it, it, The weird thing is, Temple of Doom only doesn't, doesn't work character arc-wise when you consider the beginning of Last Crusade. Because Last Crusade is setting up Indy's personality that was in Raiders and in Last Crusade. But he's a fortune and glory dude in Temple of Doom who learns to be the Indy that we see in Raiders of Lost Ark. Get a real- oh, that was Dash Rendar. God damn it, Dash Rendar. Get out of Harrison's movies. Are you a replicant? I like how we can just, any continuity issues with Harrison Ford movies, we can just chalk up to Dash Rendar now. I'm telling all these movies are connected. It's a Blade Runner thing where they made a replicant of Han Solo named Dash Rendar, and they just kind of swap places when need be. I'm trying to think of other prequels. Prometheus? Yeah, 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 yeah. We love also Prometheus. more drama. of a spinoff. That's true. How do you feel about the trailer? I'm just going to keep going on tangents. We're never going to end. Fuck. How do you feel about the trailer for Alien Covenant? I'm a little mixed. Like, I'm not as excited as I was for Prometheus. I'll still be there week one, but it just doesn't have my hopes as high. And I love I loved Prometheus. I want everyone at home to know that. You can put that against me. I love Prometheus. We have Prometheus. two episodes on it. Everyone knows we love Prometheus. They glazed out after the first five minutes of those episodes. That's true. Um, We'll do a third part at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> Knowing us. Um, the extended cut. I, I really like the... Uh, I felt like it... And it's just a teaser. I mean, I like the trailer. It looks cool. It looks like an alien movie. I like the shots in it. I like... It's just a basic teaser. So I can't really get too opinion on it either way. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I kind of, I've kind of accepted the fact we're not getting a tonally same sequel as Prometheus. Like, this is going to be more of an alien film. So yeah. I think I've kind of just accepted that and just moved on at this point. Like, I was disappointed that we're not getting the straight, like, Paradise sequel to Prometheus. And that's just a movie that happened that we're not getting a chance to see. So I've I've just sort of moved on and accepted at this point. Yeah, fair enough. I'm still mad that we're not getting that, but Covenant still looks pretty cool. Was cool we do get see no more. double the Fastbender. We are getting a lot of Fastbender, just looking dramatic. It's true. It's Although just... I'm very disappointed one of them is not just a severed head. We, I'm sure we'll still see severed head, David, at some point. Oh, you can only hope. Uh, plus, it's cool to see Scott doing that aesthetic again, because that like was only a little bit in Prometheus, so it's kind of cool now that he's so seasoned to actually see him go back and do that stuff. True. All right, so I, <laughs> I typed in good... I'm not going to let this bone go. I typed in <laughs> good prequels, and I'm reading the ScreenRant.com's 10 best prequels, and I don't agree with it. Uh, number 10, Mallrats. That can't be counted. I mean, I know it is, but that's not really a prequel. Yeah. Like, actually, probably Mallrats just happens, like, the same day more than anything else. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a weird one to include. Uh, I feel like all of these are reaches, actually, because guess what number nine is? I'll tell you, it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which to me is more of a reboot that just happens in a different... That's a reboot. That has nothing to do with the previous franchise. Right, yeah. So they've got Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I will say is a good movie. Uh... I mean, at that point, the only one you can count from Planet of the Apes is the, are the films that actually, from the original franchise that had Caesar. Because mm-hmm. those are technically prequels, even though they're sequels because of time travel nonsense. Yeah. And they end up altering the future, potentially. So yeah, that, that's, that's bullshit. Oh boy, more time travel. We need more straws. Someone get the Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> that's an allusion to a conversation you don't get to hear, good people. Um, or do you? Ooh, probably not, because we didn't record an ending to that conversation. Uh, when do we ever have a fucking ending to any pod episode? That's true. We do. Speaking of which, when I am done with these ten movies on this list, we're just going to call it quits, so... Well, we are... This mini-bop turned into a normal episode a long time ago. Yes, it did. I really want someone at home to um, find the exact amount of time where we actually talk about Rogue One versus everything else in this fucking episode. I think we did okay. There's a balance. I hope so. Uh, anyways, number eight. This one, uh, X-Men First Class. Technically, yeah. that I mean, yeah. technically, that's a prequel. Technically, because even anything that changed because of time travel shenanigans once again <laughs> didn't happen until the sequel to First Class. So First Class still counts firmly yeah. as, a, yeah. as a prequel. So... <laughs> You're technically correct. The best kind of correct, as Futurama has taught us. Uh, can the ending of Donnie Darko count as a prequel to the rest of the film? <laughs> I, I think their number one is Godfather 2, so yeah, sure. Uh, number seven actually is a real prequel, and one I'd forgotten about. Monsters University. Oh, yeah. Which is a perfectly fine movie, and one I don't think needs to really exist. So can we count it, though? I, I would say it's an okay prequel. Well, sure. Right. I won't argue it. There's nothing bad about it, I would say. It's just Monsters, Inc. was really good, and this one was just okay. What a strange episode this was. Yes. I'm back, baby. <laughs> uh, six. Uh, this one's an alternate universe, so I don't think this counts at all. The Star Trek reboot. No, that's not a prequel. 
It's in the same timeline. It's in the same timeline, but the timeline's diverged into different right, events. Yeah. It can't be a prequel to itself. Right, they actually have the characters, like, interact with each other, like future and past versions. They literally call out the fact that timelines change, which makes it, which nulls it as a prequel to right. the original films. Screen Rant, I know you're not listening, but get your shit together. Screen uh, Rant usually needs to get its shit together. Ooh. <laughs> I say this like we actually have beef and they're going to track us down and give us what for. Like those neo-Nazis. Uh, like those neo-Nazis. <laughs> We have many strong opinions. Screen Rant needs to get his shit together. <laughs> you Nazis should go the fuck away. Uh, Dash Rendar is really Han Solo. There's too many opinions to count. Uh, we have many strong opinions today. I lied. Uh, Casino Royale. Again, I don't think that counts as a real prequel. I mean, it's sort of the start of James no. Bond's career, but it's a more reboot than anything. It's a reboot. James Bond doesn't have good chronologies. They're just kind of whatever they want to do okay, in that did, episode. Did he or did he not fight Spectre for the first time in, in Spectre? <laughs> well, technically, they retconned that, so they were always... Yeah, but no, Blofeld's origin is in Spectre. Yeah. So Casino Royale is not a prequel. Scratch. Oh, <sighs> number four, Batman Begins. Ridiculous. That's a reboot. A prequel to what? The sequel that came after Batman Begins? <laughs> like, yeah, if the, yes, if you watch The Dark Knight, then Batman Begins. Batman Begins is a prequel to The Dark Knight, but that's not how that works. Not at all. Uh, okay, here's something that makes sense. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We already covered that one. That makes perfect sense. Uh, this one also feels like a reach because the chronology here is pretty much non-existent. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, kind no, no. Blondie, Blondie gets his poncho. Yeah. In in this movie, I guess if we're counting, if we're counting Temple of Doom. Yeah, I don't know. This one even feels shakier though, because I just felt like Sergio Leone did it as kind of just a nod towards his other movies. Yeah. I've never really seen Blondie in this movie actually being the same character as A Fistful of Dollars and For a Few Dollars More. To me, those are all different dudes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that one. That one's shaky. Yeah, I'm going to scratch it. That's ridiculous. Although, The Good, The Man, and The Ugly, fantastic movie. Nothing against that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, number one is The Godfather Part 2, which is also kind of iffy because that's... It's a prequel, a prequel and a sequel. and a sequel. It's both. I mean, by that logic, you start talking about Terminator movies, although most of those have not turned like, out. And you can consider anything that has flashbacks. <laughs> Anyone with a flashback now. Yeah, it's like, okay. I mean, it's like half prequel, but that's not a full prequel, though. I think this is a good point to wrap up the episode just by saying... Because we failed? Rogue One. Hey, if you're looking at prequels, you could do a lot worse. Good night, everybody. And like that. That was really insulting towards Rogue One. We already said we liked it. I mean, that doesn't give us license, though. What do you want from me? I just want this show to end. We already ended it. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night. And like that, he's gone. And like that, he's gone. I'm going to say that episode was gold. <laughs> that episode was a hell of a fucking thing. I'm just glad you didn't buy a MODOK mug this time. I was drinking on my MODOK mug. And you didn't mention that? Thank God the recorder's still going. Well, it's not Star Wars-y, although it is Disney-y now. It all, it's all under the same banner. It, it, it's all ruined by the same company. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, please, please... Put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show. There are a lot of issues that plague the comic book community 
at large that are really never kind of addressed. I think what the three of us really wanted to do was do a show where we explore all of that. And by the very hand of Odin himself, we now have <laughs> the seed of this podcast. Marvel's Odin. Does DC have an Odin? They must. I don't, th- I don't think so. Let's go with, like, Image Odin. Well, look, look, DC has Hercules, so he has to have something. Who doesn't have Hercules? Spawn? He has Angela, who's, like, Lady Hercules. Yeah, she is kind of Hercules-like. Can we still legally say Spawn has Angela? Have I just gotten us in trouble? Well, now that she's as Guardian, I think it's it's fair play, so... Hey, she's not technically as Guardian. Yeah, but she's Asgard's assassin. And she has, like, a weird new haircut. Have you seen Angela's new redesign? Look, we can get all into the pathos of Angela on another episode. That was just a little taste of graphic novelism. <laughs> 